for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we are one week, just about, into the first training camp for Brian Dayball, the New York Giants. While it may seem a long way away, they are just about a week away from stepping onto the field in Gillette Stadium up in Foxborough for their preseason opener. Long way to go to get there, which Brian Dayball keeps reminding us, but that long way and that pathway to September 11th in Tennessee against the Titans is shrinking day by day. So I'm going to give my impressions of the Dayball training camp, some things I've picked up along the way, maybe a little observations as to how Daniel Jones looks, what I think about Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, the one player who's impressed me the most in camp. And today's one-on-one, Xavier McKinney. Right now, probably the most important player on the back end, not probably, He's a guy who is taking on a big leadership role, a lot of responsibility in Wink Martindale's defense, and we'll talk about that with Zay. I was able to sit down with him after practice on Tuesday, so I hope you enjoy that. But first up, my impressions of what to look for and what we've seen in a Dable camp. The biggest change between a camp with Dayball running it and Joe Judge or Pat Shermer or Ben McAdoo or even going back to the days of Tom Coughlin. And I think it's an interesting wrinkle is that Dable sets up his practices based on situations. At least he's done that for the first six practices of camp. And what I mean by that is that he takes a situation, red zone, third and long, third and short, the fringe area, which is just beyond midfield and the fringe of the red zone. And it's not just periods. Now, every coach I've covered to this point, the head coaches, they structure their practices in a way where they'll have periods where they deal with situations. For Brian Dable so far, everything has on that given day has been about that situation. So any live move the ball period, the ball starts in that specific spot. If it's a third and 10 plus yards, which is what Tuesday was, that's where they will do most of their work. And I think it's really about putting more intention into thinking about the situations Every team talks about situations, but when you design an entire practice around that one situation, you have both sides of the ball really thinking, what are the personnel groupings in there? 
How are we figuring out what we will do when we face those percentages? I think analytics becomes involved and the data innovation that Joe Shane likes to talk about. All of that is wrapped up into one blueprint for a practice. And that's different than, let's just go last year with Joe Judge. They would have specific periods focused on those situations, a red zone period, but the entire practice would not be run in the red zone. And that's what happened on day uh, one of training camp with Dable, is that everything was in the red zone. So your defense is focused on red zone, your offense is focused on red zone, and that makes a difference. Now, I wouldn't anticipate that continuing all the way through camp, But now that gives you a foundation, presumably, on those situations so that in two weeks' time, when you want to run more red zone, you've put that in already. Both sides, and it's not just installation, you've practiced it, you've gone over it, and now you're going to see it again. And then you can almost judge where you were from that first week of practice up until where you are when you run it again. So I think that's really the big thing about Dable and what he's trying to do. I think it's been pretty impressive to this point, and I'll knock on wood for Giants fans who will call me a jinx, that the Giants have had these guys, had these guys going full bore for a full week. And yes, only the pads have only full pads have only been on once Monday. They were back to shells on Tuesday. But that will gradually increase as camp moves along. But Kadarius Tony's logged a lot of reps. He had a maintenance day on Monday. Kenny Galladay has logged some reps. He had a look like what was a maintenance day on Tuesday. So the the player that's impressed me the most to this point is Wandale Robinson, uh, the rookie out of Kentucky. He's been everywhere in this offense. Uh, and I'm hesitant to declare him a potential fantasy sleeper. But if you play fantasy football and you're in a PPR league, a points per reception, boy, Wondell Robinson is all over the field. Uh, he's he's a more controlled Kadarius Tony, if that makes any sense, in terms of the game. Kadarius was a live wire. He he was, you know, he catches the ball and it's stutter, you know, step, stutter, you know, spin away. Wandale seems to be in the route tree, in motion. When he gets the ball, he's he's going. Uh, And it's been very impressive to watch him and Tony on the field at the same time and how the Giants are using them. Now, obviously, in the backfield... They use use them in a variety of roles. Wandell is mostly in the slot. Kadarius has played outside a little bit in camp, or I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot in camp. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what Kenny Galladay turns into in this offense. And he's been at his best to this point. Deep corner routes, deep over routes, uh, crossing patterns. We haven't seen many slants or slants and goes. Uh, and 
There really hasn't been many fade. There wasn't much fade work to Kenny Galladay in the red zone. And I think I talked about this on last sh- on the last show. Uh, I think this offense is, is going to be really flooded in the end zone. You know, they're running a lot of floods, a lot of misdirection in the end zone with the guys that they have and trying to use their speed to an advantage rather than spreading teams out. I think they're going to try to confuse them with a lot of traffic uh, through the middle of the field, through the mesh, if you will. So that's where we're at offensively. Uh, Yes, Saquon Barkley has looked explosive, which is what has been thrown around. Um, I I think we still need to see when this entire offense gets together in pads and against the defense that doesn't know what's coming to truly gauge where Saquon is. But considering the work he's put in, I think it's a credit to him and to Brian Dable that Saquon has been all in from the beginning of this regime. And so has a guy like Leonard Williams, you know, guys who are veterans and, you know, you just weren't sure where their future is beyond 2022. And they're here. And like I said, if they're missing snaps, it's one of those. They're not supposed to be on the field. These guys are out there and they're practicing. And that's a big difference this year versus what we've seen uh, in past years, both under Joe Judge and Pat Shermer. And like I said, even going all the way back to Ben McAdoo, the way uh, they structure their practices and training camp, that affects the players. And the players have to buy in in terms of what they're doing. Uh, and every player you talk to to this point, and it's only one week, is that Dable and the training staff have struck a good balance. Uh, and maybe they learned a little bit from the last two years when Joe Judge was painted as a, a tyrant and someone who, who ran the players down into the ground. Now, something happened in the receiving core is that suddenly they have a lot more depth. So I think one of the problems last year was that they didn't have much depth on the active roster and the Giants really churned through Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton early on. And the absences of Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney really hurt the the receiving core last year. Because instead of sprinkling more guys in, in practice during the week, Shep and Slayton took up a lot of the slack. And I think... You know, you had one of those games. I think it was the Rams game, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I should have gone back and checked. But the one game when both Shep and Slayton were lost to hamstring injuries, uh, that may have been a, a lot of workload during the week, and it just kind of caught up to them on game day. Uh, so let let me talk about Kayvon uh, Thibodeau a little bit before we get to our interview with Xavier McKinney. Thibodeau, I've been very impressed with what he's shown in between the lines. He is not a big talker on the field. He's very quiet, seems very focused and purposeful. Uh, His battles with Andrew Thomas have been very good. Uh, Evan Neal, I think, is still working through some things in terms of figuring out 
uh, what the rusher opposite him is trying to do to him. Uh, had a little bit of, of struggle with uh, speed rushes by O'Shane Zimenez and Thibodeau in one-on-ones, but Evan Neal really turned the, turned it up when they got into running game. Uh, he threw some block when Saquon Barkley, uh, when they sprung Saquon for on a pitch uh, down near the goal line. Uh, so I think Evan Neal has been solid. I think Andrew Thomas has been very impressive. Uh, he seems to have a plan every time he's out there. He knows what he's dealing with. He knows what he's looking for. Uh, so, like I said, between Thibodeau, Neal, and Thomas, those have been a good thing. Uh, those That's been a good thing to watch. When it comes down to the offensive line, it's a work in progress. Let's see when John Feliciano gets back from his missed time, uh, the absence due to the the heat exhaustion, the heat issues that he had, uh, and we'll see what, what that looks like. So we'll have more after the interview with McKinney, but without further ado, number 29 in your scorebook, Xavier McKinney. All right, joining me now, Xavier McKinney. Zay, it's year three. Does it feel like you've been here for now going on three training camps? Uh, yeah, it, it does. Um, I missed like the first, yeah, the first training camp I pretty much missed because uh, I got hurt. Um, but fractured foot, fractured foot, yeah. Um, but now it definitely feels like you know, three three training camps, three seasons feels a little bit longer because you know COVID and everything going on. So, um, but definitely feels like three years. You know, you you were out here talking to us. Uh, I guess it was over the weekend, and, and talking about that green dot. You know, never has a little sticker on a helmet mm-hmm. meant so much to everybody. Um, when you first found out that you were going to be the, the the signal caller, or at least they were going to try it out, uh, what was that like for you? I know you had experience doing it at, yeah. at Alabama. Yeah. What, that kind of responsibility early in learning Wink's defense. No, it was exciting. Um, I think just of being able to. Uh, you know, have that responsibility and um, have that trust, uh, you know, with Wink, you know, having in me to, to give me, um, you know, that responsibility. It was, it was exciting. Um, it was something that I was definitely, you know, ready for, prepared for. Um, and, you know, I'm still, like, learning learning through it. Uh, obviously, like, there's some, you know, hiccups here and there, but uh, it's been fun. Um, just trying to take uh, take my time with it as far as just learning, uh, you know, what he wants to call, when he wants to call it, um, just so, you know, I'm already ahead of the game. Um, so I think that's the next step for me. But uh, it's definitely been exciting, and, I'm, you know, I'm glad that, you know, he gave, uh, you know, me the responsibility to have it. Now, when you're in the huddle, obviously, we're just getting going here. I mean, you'll have more in preseason stuff when the crowd's going and everything else. But uh, you mentioned the other day your voice. Mm-hmm. You've been working on your voice. Yep. Um, how do you go about doing that? How, how do you – uh, just just got to be, uh, you know, not not that I wasn't like loud or anything, but, um, you know, like I said, it's hard to when guys are, you know, running to the ball and you're coming back and, you know, we don't do like a traditional huddle. So everybody's not in super tight. So uh, just trying to get it projected. So, you know, it goes starts from inside and gets all the way out. So um, that was like something that was that was, uh, you know, a challenge. Um, but, you know, I've gotten better with it um, just of 
uh, you know, being able to communicate it with the backers, the backers getting into linebackers. So it's all like um, a collective, uh, a collective thing for us as a defense. Yeah. Obviously, we all got to know the play. So um, you know, I just communicate with Tay. I communicate with Blake. Um, you know, the call, and, I, and I'll tell them, hey, get it, get it out to the front, and I'll make sure I get it out to the secondary. So um, we've done a better job with just being, you know, communicating with each other and, and having a better, um, better deal with it. Now, it was pretty cool when you you told us the other day about uh, reaching out to Eric Weddle mm-hmm. and Wink's request and kind of set it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool because it showed that Wink was thinking big picture. Yep. It wasn't just, hey, say, you're going to call the play. Yep. It was bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about that experience the other day, but maybe if you could talk a little bit more about that now, just... What's that like? I mean, you just dial up Weddle and be like, hey, Wink said to call you? Yeah, no, nah, it, it's definitely great. Um, obviously, he was already pretty much looking forward to the call. They had already talked about me, like, before. Um, and he had been watching my game a little bit already. So, um, you know, when I talked to him, it wasn't like uh, like we had never spoke before. It was almost like right. we kind of already, you know, knew a little bit about each other. Um, so it was definitely fun just talking with him. Uh, I actually talked to him yesterday. He texted me. Um, and we were just talking through some things. But, um, you know, it was great to, like I said, it's great to be able to um, have a player of that caliber, you know, at your at your resource to be able to help you um, and to, to better you as a player um, and as a person because um, he's a lot f- further than, you know, what I, I'm, I'm still young. You know, he's, he's older um, and he's done, you know, a lot of, a lot of great things in this league. Um, he's done a lot of great things outside of the league. So uh, just being able to learn from him um, has definitely helped me a lot. And uh, I continue to, and he knows this too, I continue to use him, uh, you know, throughout the season, uh, throughout these practices, uh, whatever questions I might have. Um, so, you know, we had that open line of communication. So uh, it's definitely been great. He Was he a player? I know you've watched guys mm-hmm. before. You've, you know, you, you break down film. You're a guy who wants to see how other guys play. Yeah. Was he a guy in your rotation or did he be, become a part of your rotation to watch him watch how he played within Wink's defense after kind of you you met him oh after I film. oh yeah, yeah no no I've, I've watched him before um I pretty much watch all the great because I consider him a great safety so I could I watched I watched a lot of great safeties um you know from the Everys from the Brian Dawkins uh Sean Taylor Troy Polamalu um, you know, Eric Weddle, you know, all these guys, I've watched them before on YouTube, just pull up their YouTube stuff, watch kind of how they play, um, you know, the plays that they make. So, um, and then I try to grab, you know, little pieces that I can from them, uh, each, uh, each one of their games. So, um, he's definitely been a guy that I've, I've watched before. It's not like somebody that I didn't know, like, oh, well, Eric Weddle, no, I, yeah, I, I watched him, I watched him before. You mentioned the other day the idea of, you know, the plan is to use you a little bit more all over the field. Mm-hmm. Last year, you kind of came into your own a little bit playing center field. And there yeah. were times where uh, I remember JB, James Bradbury, talking about, thank God Zay's back there yeah. because we're jumping routes yeah. and you're picking them off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I found the stats. For, I think it was your last year at Bama. You had almost 400 snaps at safety, 393. But then you also played 166 at corner, mm-hmm. 120 at inside backer, mm-hmm. and then 113 at outside backer. Mm-hmm. Are you mentally preparing for those kind of opportunities within this defense? Yeah, I definitely am. Um, I think that's always been my biggest thing is just to 
uh, make sure that I know the ins and outs of the defense in every spot. Um, obviously, with a new defense coming in, I'm, it's, I'm still learning it. Um, but that's always my mindset, uh, just to know every spot because you never know what might happen. Um, so, you know, I'm always making sure that, you know, I keep myself, uh, you know, available to, to play anything. And, and um, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I am the guy that can, you know, if, if somebody's lined up wrong, I want to make sure they line up right. I want to make sure everybody um, is in, you know, the right position to for us to be able to execute and be successful on defense, including myself. So um, that's definitely, you know, how I prepare and how I've always been. Now, when guys get here as rookies, I love tapping into, you know, their past and their high school days and talking to their high school coaches. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you had two influential coaches. I'm sure you had more than that. Uh, but John Ford was great when mm-hmm. I reached out to him. Yep. Uh, and then Jermaine Phillips, who was your DB's coach yeah. at Roswell, yeah. uh, he had a Super Bowl ring yeah. with the Bucks, yeah. which I didn't know. Yeah. First on Ford, I got to tell you a related story. He told me, uh, I assume it was your senior year, you guys were in like a state semifinal, mm. and it was a huge game, mm. and there was a play with an uncovered tight end. Mm. Do you remember that, that yeah. day? Yeah. And what, what did you see? I mean, I, that was kind of the first time he said that nobody questioned your awareness as to what was on the field. You didn't practice the play. Take me back to that. What was that like? What does that say about your game going all the way back to high school? Yeah, yeah, like for me, man, I've always been a a big instincts guy. So, like, I just react off instincts. I've always been able to be aware of, you know, what's around me in my periphery. Like, I've had – there's been coaches that I've had, and it's like they'll think that I don't see something, and I'm like, I'm telling you, I see it. Like, it may not look like it, but – they won't they're not going to pass it over here because if they do then I'm going to be able to make the play but um that's always kind of been my game I've always been a heavy awareness guy uh just know, kind of knowing what's going on around the field and and um kind of be it's kind of like being one step ahead because sometimes the quarterback or the offense might think somebody's open um and then you know for safety being in, in the back end you have to be able to uh, you know, whatever pops up out the ground, if we have a bus or ME, I have to be the one to erase that. So um, I've always, you know, been like that. It's been a part of, you know, playing safety for me. So um, that's just, you know, that's that's who I've been pretty much for for a long time. But that was that specific play. That was a play that the other team, th- the offense, yeah, thought they, that thought they were gonna sneak one in on you yeah. guys and win the game. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They they definitely thought it was gonna be open, and and obviously, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, but now nah, that's that's always been, you know, who I, who I am, and and you know, I've always been pretty pretty good with my awareness on the field. Uh, Co- Coach Ford actually said that he, uh, about three years later. Uh, the head coach of the other team, who was actually, I think, a uh, recruiting coordinator at Clemson. At Clemson, yeah. yeah. That he came up to him and said, wait a minute, I got to know, how did you guys know that play? Yeah. And Ford just said, that's Xavier McKinney, yeah. the best player in America. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, we, man, we had it. Shout out to Coach Ford, too, man. That was, uh, he was a great coach, um, you know, for our team um, back in high school. We had a lot of plays, like, it was a lot of stuff where, like, you know, I, I just saw something, I felt something, and, and I, you know, I did it off of instincts, and I was able to make the play. So uh, it's just been, you know, who I am for, for a very long time. I would imagine you imagine now you go into your third year, and it's you have an idea of who you want to be in this te- on this team and mm-hmm. this offense. How close are you to that coming off of you two? Um, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm close, like, where I want to be um, quite yet. Uh, I'm working towards it, um, but I'm still having like I still got growing pains of of just um, you know different certain things. Um, but I'm still growing. Um, I'm still learning. Uh, very still very young. 
Um, but, you know, as much as I can, I'm just trying to uh, grab pieces from, you know, coaches, from even the, the, you know, the vets that we might bring in. Like, you know, they've been in it longer than me. So um, just, you know, getting pieces from them, learning from the guys around me, um, I think they've helped me a lot. And that's credit to my team. I think, uh you know, the team, my team, even offensively, defensively, uh, you know, I've talked to uh, DJ, I've talked to uh, Tyrod just of what I can do to improve. Um, I remember when uh, Tyrod first came in, I asked him who was the best safety he ever went against and what made them the best he ever seen. And, um, you know, we've had conversations. He's talked to me about just certain looks that I could show that might mess up the quarterback. So whatever, I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to get better. Um, and I think with the guys around me, the guys that we have in that locker room, um, they've been, you know, a huge credit to my success. They've helped me a lot uh, on the field, off the field, in the film room, everything. So we work together. It goes hand in hand, and it's been it's been uh, it's been fun. A couple weeks here, you guys are going to get together and have your vote for captains. How much would it mean to Xavier McKinney to have a C on his chest? It'll mean a lot. It'll mean a lot. Um, I know how much I put into to the game. Um, I know how much uh, you know how much I work. Um, you know, I, I'm very passionate about, you know, this game and what I do, uh, how I carry myself. Um, so it'll mean a lot, man. Um, and, you know, right now we, we pretty much focused on, you know, these practices and <laughs> trying to get better each and every day. So when that comes down the line, it comes. But uh, we just focus on it right now. Now, you, I read somewhere that you draw and design your own tattoos. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Tasmanian Devil, yep. Minions, yep. Marvin the Martian. Yep. What's your favorite? And then is there one that you're working on that you're going to get before the season? Um, I don't have a f- – uh, well – Nah, yeah, I don't really have a favorite. Um, all of them are pretty much my uh, my favorites because they all have meanings to them. Um, they take obviously they take a little bit of time because I got to think about you know how I want to piece it up, um, and then sometimes I don't want to have the same uh, uh, same thing on my body twice. So um, definitely uh, are all my favorite. They all mean a lot to me. Um, I got a lot more coming. Um, it takes a little time to to be able to think it out and then actually put it on paper. Um, but, uh, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of meaningful ones. All right. Last one. I appreciate your time. Who's the funniest guy in, in this team, on this team? On the team. Who could we sell tickets for a comedy show here for a guy to step up there at the mic? Oh man. Um, comedy show. Uh, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me adore Dory. Yeah, Dory, Dory is hilarious. He's uh, he's like the big jokester uh, on our defense. He's he's the guy that's that's gonna make you laugh ten times out of ten. Um, he's a very playful playful guy, uh, and you know he's fun to be around. So I say Dory. Cool, Xavier McKinney. Thank you very much for your time. Stay healthy. Good luck this summer. Yes, and sir. We'll be uh, with you all year. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Yep. All right, thanks again to Xavier McKinney for joining me. Uh, Just a, to me, just a great, great interview that McKinney is. He's pretty honest, pretty candid, and he's going to be a valuable part of this team. Now, for a little background, since we didn't get into it too much, uh, as far as detailed, you heard him talking about his high school days and you know I mentioned what his coach John Ford told me about the play that kind of defined Zay's high school career it was against Grayson which is a powerhouse in the state semifinals and 
McKinney single-handedly turned the game in his team's favor. Grayson lined up in a gadget formation. They were trying to take advantage of disguise and deception. They were hiding an eligible receiver within the offensive set, and it wasn't anything that Grayson had put on tape in 14 games. So when I talked to Ford, he said, look, we, we didn't even practice for it. He said, but Xavier saw something, and there was a tight end that was uncovered but he was an eligible receiver and it was a sneaky spot in the formation. And out of nowhere, McKinney reads the play. His teammates and his coaches on the sideline were trying to call timeout because they didn't know what was going, what was going on in the play. And, but they couldn't get it in. So McKinney intercepts the pass and then Roswell goes on to win the game. Fast forward several years later, and Ford told me he was out on the recruiting trail with some players and at a camp he met up with Mickey Kahn who was the coach of Grayson that day and he's an assistant coach at Clemson and according to Ford Mickey came up and said to him coach I gotta ask you how did you know about that play and Ford said, buddy, I wish I could tell you it was something we were ready for, but that was Xavier McKinney being one of the best players in America. That's all it was. You know, and when you see Xavier McKinney now in this role with the Giants, I think it's it's going to be something special to watch in Wink Martindale's defense in terms of what he's able to do, being the leader and having that responsibility with the green dot. It'll be interesting to see when Blake Martinez gets on the field. If he takes over a little bit of responsibility, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is McKinney's show. And I think the Giants are very comfortable with him having the, the role on the back end. You know, I talked to Logan Ryan about a week and a half ago when Jason McCourty retired. And... Before we started talking about the McCourty brothers, Logan Ryan told me, at least made the prediction, that this was going to be Xavier's year. And don't be surprised if he's in the conversation for Pro Bowls and even All-Pro by the end of it. That he's that high on McKinney and how well he thinks he's going to fit into Wink Martindale's defense. So, Logan Ryan down in Tampa Bay now but still sticking close to some of his Giants guys, and he predicted big things for Xavier McKinney. Coming up the rest of this week, Fan Fest Friday night. The blue and white scrimmage will be interesting. For a lot of these guys, their first time in MetLife Stadium. What I'll be looking for, will Mike Kafka be upstairs calling plays, or will be he be on the sideline? When Brian Dayball found his groove in Buffalo, he was up in the box. And I'm interested to see if they do that with Kafka uh, on Friday night. I completely expect Kafka and Wink Martindale to be calling the plays. And we'll see. Obviously a rough break for rookie safety Dane Belton. Uh, He fractured his collarbone. He won't need surgery. But Every indication that I've gotten, it's a six to eight week injury. Uh, So that'll put him right up against it 
I think the Giants will carry him all the way through to final cuts and then see where he's at. And if they feel like they can carry him on the original 53 and then maybe put him on IR for four games, that's what they'll do. If he's a fast healer, then maybe they just keep him on the 53 and don't put him on IR. And if he comes back sooner than that, uh, I would imagine they carry him and then they put him on IR the second day so he can return with a designation uh, by the end of September. That would be the timeline that I'm looking at. The Giants are playing coy on whatever timeline they are going to use for Belton. So right now it's Andrew Adams, old friend Andrew Adams. And I'd like to see a little bit more of the rookie, for, the undrafted rookie from Kentucky, Yusef Corker. He's got really the physical prototype uh, for a safety. Uh, so I'd like to see him work into the mix a little bit over the next week or so, see if he starts getting reps with the first team. Uh, but right now it is uh, McKinney and Julian Love, and then Andrew Adams would be the third safety uh, in place of Belton. Uh, and then the Giants will obviously move forward and see uh, what the next week brings. I think it's really more of a week-to-week thing in terms of assessing this roster uh, rather than a day-to-day thing. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Joe Shane has shown that he's he can be pretty aggressive if he wants to go out there and find somebody on the wire. Uh, they're having tryouts almost daily. So we'll see. We'll see how it continues to evolve. So that'll wrap up this week's show. Enjoy Fan Fest. We'll be back next week in advance of the Giants' first preseason game, crossing paths with Bill Belichick and old friend Joe Judge. We'll be up in Foxborough a week from now. So hope you enjoyed this week. Appreciate your engagement, and we're all in.